Hey everyone, welcome to The Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins, and today I got with me my friend Jeff Amstutz. And we're back. We study scripture to understand what it says, grow our understanding of God through it, and ultimately change the way we live our lives in obedience. And in this episode, we're working through verses 1 through 6 of Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, but before we get into that text, let's check in. Jeff, how has God been working in your life since we last recorded last episode? It's been two months and uh, a lot has happened. But the oh, yeah. latest thing that's been going on is I've had the privilege of helping teach a musician class at the, at the Austin Stone. And it's been really cool. Uh, God's been really bringing together uh, people that that have really been looking for each other for a long time. What I mean by that is uh, our church values music a lot, put out music, write a lot, have a lot of bands, a lot of worship leaders and uh, having community around playing music is something that has traditionally been around the stone uh, for a long time. And since COVID, since the pandemic, we haven't really had a lot of opportunities to kind of reconvene more regularly. And, uh, what we did is decided to say, let's have a class where we, uh, talk about what it's like to be a musician in a church at all. What is it like to use your talents to serve the church? And, uh, we're going through character, connectedness and competency as three topics. And this coming Thursday will be our third, uh, our third and final, uh, class. And it's been really cool to see. It was like, I don't know, 50 some people that signed up for it. Hmm. And it was this really great time to connect with people around the church who play music and uh, want to serve in that way, but also are coming from a bunch of different perspectives, backgrounds, opportunities, ages, everything, the full gamut. So it's been really great to meet new people and for us to all sit together as one church, even though we're multiple congregations, be able to have a unified view of how we view that. Um, and hopefully build uh, more culture in our worship ministry at the church. Hmm, that's awesome. Yeah. How do you feel like you've grown in that time? Well, I had the, I had the privilege to teach the first class uh, on character. And uh, I think one of those, one of the things about teaching is that it, uh, it forces you to really sit with whatever you're teaching with a lot deeper than if you're just taking it in from someone else. Cause you right. have to actually prepare it and all that. Um, and so being able to exercise that teaching muscle again, uh, and to do so in a, for a group of people that like I really love and want to be around is something that both built me up and challenged me at the same time. And so that was a, that was a great experience. Uh, then to see, how people have like, we had like discussion time and all that stuff um, to see God use me in a way that <clears throat> to be honest, I was kind of doubting a little bit. Um, I was just, I was in, I was in a much more iffy state with what I thought I had prepared. And then God's like, you know, it doesn't depend on you. Mm. These people wrestling with this topic is something that I'm going to do with them, not you. So take Amen. all that pressure off yourself and just let it go. And it was Oof. great. That's a word I need right now. Uh, next week, I'm so right now, one of the, the big life things for me, I'm about four weeks into leading a group um, in our 
the Austin Stone Council Center puts on a, a program called the Steps to Gospel Recovery. I've mentioned that before. Um, but yeah, uh, allows for a small cohort of gender specific groups to be able to work through sin that they've caused and done to them. And then just the effects of a broke living in a broken world. Um, so I've, yeah, four weeks into that, but next week we're started what's called inventory going through specific topics and trying to recall events in our lives and how we've responded and then try to heal from those. Uh, next week I'm going, I'm speaking to the large group before we break out to a smaller one and it's on the inventory topic of guilt and shame. And I think fear is lumped into that one as well. Um, very, very big topic in my life growing up, um, just dealing with those specifically. And so I think it's going to be a really good time. But like you said, as I'm going to, as I'm writing the content that I'm going to be speaking about, making sure that I'm just depending on the Lord and that it's realizing that uh, the Lord is going to speak through me and to be able to specifically like touch and allow the, allow what I say He's going to speak through me essentially and that I, I just need to let him do that work. And it's not up to me really. Like I can prep and do all that work, but ultimately he's the one that's going to take those seeds and actually do something with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, with that, I think, I think uh, it's a busy season that, that especially is just with the nature of the class and the course and the work it's heavy and with dealing with emotions and trauma and hurt, um, and trying to counsel people. Uh, I think I carry, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be their healer necessarily. I'm trying being obedient to that and doing a good job with that, but it's still just the nature of it. Um, I think I'm dealing with a lot of heavy things just in kind of all the categories of life, work, health, um, especially health, uh, marriage ministry, and just, yeah, like faith. So I think I've, I've put a lot of emotional and like mental effort into um, just trying to be faithful in all those areas and try to fight a lot of the lies of that the enemy can put onto me. Um, that makes me, it, it can cause discouragement and um, for me to just get tripped up in that and start depending on myself and kind of cause a wedge in between me and God, which, which actually makes it harder for me to, to serve in those areas of my life well. So I just feel heavy. Yeah, I think one of the applications of Jesus saying, uh, you know, my burden is light to carry is because when you carry his, um, you don't carry things that you shouldn't. Yeah. So sometimes the weight of the world is so heavy because we think we're the ones that has to carry it. Yeah. It's not for us. One of the things I just keep battling is like, is a counselor had told me this before in a session is like, are you, is it internal pressure or external pressure? And I'd probably say a little bit of both, right? Like I have a busy schedule. Um, but at the end of the day, like a lot of it's probably me, um, having my own expectations of how things need to go. Yeah. I mean, we control what we say yes to. Yeah. 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 And then just how much, uh, mental energy and emotional energy I'm giving to it. So, yeah. Uh, trying to rest as much as possible. So we could have a whole episode on Sabbath. We but totally could. I'd love that. It's not really Hebrews three though. <laughs> no, it's not. So with that, why don't we jump in? Um, can you go ahead and provide, so like, like we said in the intro, we're going over Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Can you go ahead and just catch us up to where we're at now? Yeah. Uh, th- like all other episodes, um, the theme that we're never going to stop saying is that Jesus is better because that's what Hebrews is all about. And so we talked about how Jesus is greater than angels. He created everything. Clearly he's superior to the things that he created, yet um, 
he decided to put on flesh and become one of the beings that he created uh, to become a human being. And therefore he was considered lower than the angels because there were parts of his divinity he decided to lay aside. Um, not, I mean, he's still fully God and fully man, but uh, the honor that he receives is actually in his human state. And so when you compare that with angels, uh, you think there are these beings that are uh, just mind-blowing that have been created and kind of work in ways that we don't necessarily understand. And Jesus, even though he's um, like us in that, that he's human, is still greater than them. And so we, we compared those two things. And then with getting into chapter three, we're going to march right into Jesus is better than the next topic. And that'll be a very consistent cadence in Hebrews is Jesus is better than this. Jesus is better than this. He's better than this. He's better than this. So today we get to start a new one. Yeah. And that new one is Jesus is better than uh, Moses. Moses. That's right. So let's go ahead and read that. I'll, I'll give it a read. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. This is through the ESV. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay, so let's go through the first first few verses. Anything stand out to you so far? Oh, there's a lot of things. Um, the the first being, I, I never like to have uh, the relational language in any of the epistles that we read or in this uh, long dissertation. Uh, the The relational parts, I think, are something that you know, we, we can't extract more than what it, when it has, but we should not skip over it. So therefore, holy brothers. So the, the mm. fact that the, the author is considering those that he's writing to who don't really know. It, this is not written to a specific person or a couple of people, but rather there's a declaration that if you are in Christ, you are my brother. Yeah. Which, which gives us insight to the audience that he's speaking to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, talking to believers, but that's how we should consider other believers. And it doesn't really matter if they're halfway around the world, they're in our next door mm. neighbors. If we like them, if we don't like them, they are your brother or sister. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that just whenever Paul, you know, greets uh, the people he's writing to or has personal addresses at the end and stuff that you can see that there's very much a familial aspect to what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. Uh, so, Yes, we don't know who the author is who wrote Hebrews, but we do know that he's essentially addressing believers by addressing them that way. Yeah, I'll be the first to admit I, I typically skip over parts like that. I don't take that into account as something that God is wanting us to to actually read, right? It's better yeah. provided. He wants us to soak that in just as much as the other words that follow. Yeah, because the, the words that follow um, basically echo that and reinforce that. You who share in a heavenly calling. So... Uh, he's talking to 
believers who have been called and when what we mean by call is God said, you're going to look at Jesus and know that he is God and that he is the one who died for you. I raised him. I, the father raised him from the dead so that you could be saved. Like that's, that's what you, that's the general calling that you now specifically hold yourself. So that was what makes you a brother in Christ. Mm. And so those people who have said, yes, Jesus is the one who on judgment day that I can claim as uh, the one who can satisfy the wrath of God. I'm only made righteous because of Jesus that we should what consider Jesus. So, you know, we had a, we had one of those exhortation moments in Hebrews two, right at the beginning of Hebrews two, there's these regular things that happen in Hebrews. The, we're going to talk about some theology, uh, maybe some history, some, uh, some things about Jesus. And then we're going to occasionally, uh, the, the author sprinkles in these like, okay, here's some practical, I'm going to urge you to do some things here. So we're going to consider Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. So the confession being, what did, what do we say? What is the gospel is a spoken word thing. Like it's a gospel means good news. News requires someone to preach it and content to be preached. So that's echoing Romans 10 where Paul's like, Hey, who's going to preach the word if they're not sent and who's going to be sent if they don't have a sender and all those things. And, um, the point being is the confession is something you say with your mouth and Jesus is the person that we're talking about here. So again, yeah. this is kind of like trying to walk through this sentence piece by piece, but addressing believers who say, yes, Jesus is the only one who can save people and that he has saved me specifically. I'm going to think mm-hmm. about him because he's the one who should be the central thing that we're confessing to each other. Yeah. The, the thing that we give our fullest attention to. Yes. Um, and I, you correct me if I'm wrong. I think part of what makes this um, significant is because of the audience, right? Like they're a, a body of believers who are suffering. Mm-hmm. And so I think amidst that suffering, what they, what they can tend to do. And I think the, the warning is not to turn back to cert, to like old things or certain things that aren't truly going to satisfy on the way that, that Jesus will. And so it's saying, consider like everything you're going through, everything that's happening, all the things that you've been through, all the things that you've previously might have looked to, don't look to those things anymore. Mm-hmm. Look, consider Jesus. Yeah. Consider something higher. Mm-hmm. And then it goes the apostle and high priest, which I want to define. I think it'd be helpful to define, okay, apostle, what is apostle? And then high priest, define those two things. Mm how would you define apostle? Yeah. Well, I like the definition this, that come from dictionaries. Um, so <laughs> that's helpful. <laughs> uh, there, there's multiple usages of the word apostle. They're very commonly found in Christianity. So this is not like typically a word you're ever going to hear outside the context of uh, a church. But um, one is, this is how we identify the primary witnesses of Christ. So people who said with my live eyeballs, I, saw Jesus while he was on earth, um, before he ascended, um, in acts. And then there's also this concept of an apostle, like lowercase a. So we would say capital a apostles are the ones who are like the 12 disciples, uh, Paul, because he had an encounter with Jesus on, uh, on the road. Um, but then there's this idea of a little a apostle, 
um, being someone who like is a is a missionary to the um, missionary to the world, bringing the gospel to people. Mm. Uh, and I think as a very very brief tangent, we should never get those things mixed up. So there's unfortunately a lot of the little a and the big a. Yeah, like if you're going to call yourself an apostle, you should always say, "I'm not thinking. I'm someone who." saw Jesus in the flesh. I'm a little it, a. It, I'm, and then I, I don't think that's also a helpful word <laughs> to a. use there. Yeah. Thanks for that. Will. that's great. Um, <laughs> or you hear, you hear in uh, certain denominations they are like, Oh, I'm apostle John. I'm yeah. apostle. Will. The, the reason I find that not helpful is because if you witnessed Jesus in the flesh, that means Jesus has returned and like the rapture should have happened. And like all this stuff that like, like there's a bunch of things that happen when Jesus comes back. And so you, you get in all this minutia by just saying a word. So I tend to stay away from that in modern times to refer to people here uh, mm. in 2023. But anyway, when we're talking about apostle uh, in the generic sense, the apostle is someone who's saying, I have good news. And of course, Jesus being the word, he is himself the news. Yeah. Um, so the apostle high priest of our confession or our confession is God has redeemed your life through works that you did not do because of what Jesus did for you on the cross for his life, his death and his resurrection. So Jesus is the primary, like you cannot get more close to a source of information than Jesus himself. Yeah. So, um, Paul, John, Peter, none of these apostles, the big, the, the capital A apostles who actually witnessed Jesus, none of them would say like, I am at the same status as Jesus. So even Jesus can say he's superior to even the people who were tasked with starting the church. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, I have down, uh, maybe this will help kind of hone it in, but apostle is someone who was sent or a messenger. So someone who is sent to communicate a message uh, with all the authority of the original of the sender mm -hmm. so you can think uh in this context jesus he's he is that person that was sent with the authority of the of the sender right of god mm -hmm. he was that mouthpiece he was the one he is the primary way that god speaks to us and so we see the message that he came and he he gave a message mm -hmm. right and so it's like believe in me and you'll you'll be reconciled to the father yeah and so we needed that and so the, all of that build up then leads into verse two where Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, God, the father. But then the, 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 the main topic of what this paragraph's about is the second half of two, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. So this comparison of like Hebrews. So the, the Hebrew nation who, uh, you know, the nation of Israel who is primarily focused on God, the father through uh, the old covenant will look at Jesus and think this is someone who's at the status of someone like Moses, who's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Moses is a huge deal in, in the Hebrew tradition in the old Testament, even for us as Christians. I mean, um, just go read the old Testament. Moses is a, a major, major part. Yeah. Of and one so of the, much of the narrative of the history of one Israel. One of the reasons why is because he was the one that led the Israels out of Egypt and mm -hmm. he received the law. Yeah. And received received the 10 commandments, all that stuff. So the, the, the point being is if you view Jesus as just one of these major players, you'll actually be 
missing the point that Jesus is greater than all of these, that all of these others, uh, other figures were in the old Testament were mere shadows of elements of this perfect Christ. that was Jesus. Mm. And yeah, that, that, that doesn't say that directly in this text. Cause I'm just foreshadowing all the stuff that's coming, but um, that's why we're talking about Moses now, because there would be in whoever's reading this or hearing this spoken to them would think, well, Moses is a big deal. I guess Jesus is a big deal. It's like, no, we have to get that order right. Yeah. And I guess question for you, the, it's, bring, it's bringing up the topic of apostle and high priest of our mm-hmm. confession. And so then it brings up Moses and it's saying that Jesus is greater than Moses. And so in those two contexts, Jesus is the greater apostle and the greater high priest than Moses was. So is it, is in some way, was Moses also, was he an ap- apostle? And then in some way, the mediator between God and the, God's people, meaning a high priest kind of status without actually being, because he wasn't a part of the priesthood. He wasn't an actual high priest. But do you think it, that's kind of where this text is going is with Jesus coming in? So and I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that that comparison, I, I don't think the, the, the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful. I think that, that direct juxtaposition is Jesus was faithful to the father. Moses was faithful to okay. God's house. Um, I think the the apostle and high priest labels for Jesus is much more establishing why he's greater. Why? Yeah. Okay. Just um, I wanted yeah, to distinguish those two things. Are we looking at Moses as those two things, and Jesus is greater, or is are they evidence that Jesus is greater than Moses? Is because he is those two things, which it sounds like yeah, you're I'd, saying. I'd, the yeah, I, I very much read the the apostle and high priest of our confession being like the you're considering Jesus. Remember yeah. what you're considering is this person who is the apostle and high priest for our confession. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, uh, I don't actually know if this is true. So take this with a grain of salt, but I think that's my, maybe why you would break the verse there at verse one and verse two. Yeah. Because verse one is a thought. Now verse two is a separate thought, which starts halfway in the middle Mm -hmm. of the sentence, which is who was faithful to him who appointed him. Yeah. Uh, and so in verse three, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. So we're getting into the whole kind of topic of the house of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this part can lose some people. Um, a lot of Hebrews can lose some people. Absolutely. <laughs> I know I had to read this a few times. Yeah. Like, okay. The house, the builder, uh, more glory than the builder itself and the servant. So I'm like, okay. How can we summarize this to make it really simple, really clear for the, for the listener? Yeah. Uh, it's very much just God and his people. So God and his children. Uh, when, when you look at a family, you have a head of a family and the, the children that come from that, that head of the family. So when you think of God's house, the nation of Israel is God's people. God's chosen children, and then us as believers in Jesus are grafted into that. That's a something that Paul talks about in Romans. But the point being is the um, the builder of this house is something Moses was tasked to to take this people that were taken out of Egypt. Now we got to get them to the promised land and get them laws to structure how the house should run and ought to be and 
all of those things were things that Moses was tasked with doing. Jesus has done a better job of all of that, mm. which is hard to believe um, at first thought, because you think of Moses being this great man, leader of people and big events and all kinds of stuff happened. Um, but it's like Jesus is actually the head of this nation that transcends uh like political boundaries that we establish so the, that's part of how the the nation of god is is actually now spread throughout the whole world instead of it just being israel so all these other nations around the world are grafted into this kingdom that is no longer of this world because jesus is like look i'm going to rebuild the temple in three days i I'm going to die and then come back to life and establish the uh, place of worship is not going to be in people. And those people can be from everywhere. Yes. I was hoping you got there because where we would see God's presence was in the temple, mm -hmm. right? Tabernacle temple yep. in the old Testament. And then now what, what the promise is, is that we are, we are that temple now. God, right. God dwells in us through his spirit. Right. And that's what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. Right. He said, I'm leaving you a helper that's greater than me actually being here. Right. Um, and so that is, that is where I think the high priest comes in is because that is a forever high priest. And we've gotten into that in some of the messages that the Austin Stone has preached on Hebrews is that he is that forever high priest because he, he sits at the right hand of the Father continuously interceding for us. And that's what the high priest's role was, was to intercede or to be that mediation between us and God. And so... Um, yeah, Will has been listening to his sermons on chapter seven and eight that we have recently just heard because <laughs> we're way behind the preaching series. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it, it's yeah. really helpful. But yeah, and so thinking about this is, um, yeah, so we are we are that we are that house. It it further confirms verse six saying, "But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son," where he's he referenced Moses as the servant of God's house. Mm-hmm. In verse five yeah. and he's saying yeah and he so then following verse six or the finishing verse six and we are his house meaning god's people we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and boasting and our hope so when we trust in jesus that he is our savior it's saying that we are god's house which is such an interesting visual if you think about it so every new person that comes into the family of god adds another piece to that house adds another piece of brick if you will that strengthens that kingdom um it's already strong because because it's god's but you know it, it continues to build that house over time so think about like just the picture of that um where somehow we are we are a brick that has added into this this building that is god's kingdom i think that's beautiful anything you'd like to add on that or any other thoughts that you might have man when we were going through that uh we kind of passed by verse four unintentionally. Um, but I just wanted to focus on that a little bit because there's this, there's this way of viewing reality that's just assumed by verse four that us post enlightenment just really struggle with, which says for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Mm. This concept of, yeah, you, you're doing things, but it is God working through you. And so the, like when we do things, it's like, uh, yes, there is a kind of a, a, a truth to say that, yes, we did something, but then it's also equally true to say God did something. 
and this idea that we have free will and it's only me acting or only God acting is this false dichotomy that scripture doesn't teach that us, you know, modern philosophers decided to say like, well, that's just how it works. This we act or God acts. And that's the only two modes there are. If God acted through me, I can't say it was me. And if I act, then I can't say like the clear there are, there are these just, there's this mystery yeah, that we can't deeply understand. There's a tension there. But the one, the one thing that we can say is that when things happen around the church, like even in our, in my check-in talking about like what God did through teaching a lowly lesson on character to a bunch of musicians at a church, that's something God did. And I happen to be used. Yeah. Meaning like, yes, I got to participate, but God was the one that like actually made it happen. If that makes sense. Which includes him like pointing me to him in the preparation, right. in the delivery of right. it, all of those things. And then the most important part for listeners to intake it and then have God work on their hearts through that content yeah. is not something I could ever claim, but right. yet I'm the one who said words. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I mean, I kind of tripped up even in my check-in because I was kind of that same tension where it's like I'm prepping, but the Lord's leading me through it. And so it's this, mm -hmm. this, this duality of we're both like the answer is yes. Like he is, in control of everything but i also we also have a responsibility and we we do we have some control of our actions like i can go do something i shouldn't do right now mm -hmm. that doesn't mean god's making me necessarily do those things it's it's this weird thing that is hard to comprehend and understand that i can't even really begin to try to make clear for somebody but, yeah it's the it's the whole uh, epistemology study which epistemology is the study of the nature of knowledge how is it acquired how do you how do you know anything will how do i know mm -hmm. anything will revelation um it's revelation versus discovery and that's a whole yeah. topic in and of itself a rabbit hole we won't go down because this passage isn't talking about that at all but <laughs> what i did notice is in verse four i'm like huh yeah, that's something to take for granted and, or to just blow by and be like, that doesn't make sense. I guess I won't think about it. Like, no, nah, you should sit and consider uh, exactly how it's stated. Um, but Will, I think you hit, I think you hit on verses five and six really well that Moses was faithful as a servant. Hmm. And so he was speaking of the things of God, but was really even un, maybe even unknowingly to him creating these things that are declared future redemption to yes. come from God. But then Christ was faithful in saying, no, I'm the head of this group of people and I'm going to go get them. And he went and got us on the yeah. cross. And so he, he's the one that gets to say, yep, I'm the head of this, of this house. It's for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then it's, I think the words that are sticking out to me right now in the very last verse of six is hold fast our mm. confidence and our boasting in our hope. So I would love if we take a minute yeah. to just break that, like what, how can we think of that word hold fast? Hmm. Um, it's uh, when, when you are tested. So basically uh, if you think about testing is just revealing through application what is true. So for instance, if someone says I can bench 200 pounds, well, 
a test would be, let's go get on a bench and see if you can do that. Let's see what you got. Because uh, to just say you can do it, and even if we know it's possible, we, we know much more uh, concretely that when mm. it actually is tested, we know definitively. It's actually what the entirety of science is built on yeah. by testing things. So holding fast is when you are tested of what do you depend on? Do you depend on God yep. or do you depend on yourself? Do you yep. worship God? Do you worship created things? Do mm. you, are you, is your life aimed at declaring the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ or literally anything else? What you hold fast to is when you are, when you are tested, what are you going to go to? Yeah. And so holding, and that's just whatever you're holding fast to is whatever you hold most dear will come out when you're stressed. Oh, absolutely. And so here hold fast is pointing towards when you're tested. Cause we're talking about suffering people yep. who are reading this. Uh, the early church did not have a, an easy time uh, holding to the, to following Christ in the midst of the world. Holy fast to our confidence and our boasting and our hope is when we're tested we should more tightly grip the gospel than other things not let go of it and go towards anything else so if we think oh no we don't know if we can feed ourselves hold fast to the gospel and god will figure out how to get you food mm. yes you're you might be involved but that's different than saying like i don't think god's going to do it we're gonna have to figure out a plan the posture of the heart is different right yeah uh, as you mentioned earlier, going to the dictionary for definitions, mm. I did that. Hold fast. Uh, Ooh, as a phrase. Re yeah, remain tightly secured. So an example, the door held fast. Yeah. Obviously locked. But then the next one, continue to believe in or adhere to an idea or a principle. Yeah. So example, it is important that we hold fast to the policies. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it's saying... Uh, if indeed we hold fast, so remain tightly secured to continue to believe uh, or adhere to the this idea that our conf uh, in our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Yeah, I mean, like in Jesus. Because I was already jumping to application because, like, it's like holding fast is not really meaningful if you have nothing tugging at you. Yeah, yeah, I I do like that you brought that up because getting into application was something we were going to do next. And I think it's, it's directly um, related, especially because of the, the original, the original um, audience, right? Like what they're going through. And so it's still very much something that we need to be reminded of mm. today. Yep. Hold fast. Like, and I think it, if I'm not mistaken, it is like an old sailing term or something like that. Um, which makes sense because the waves come, right? Like the the seas can get crazy, like it can toss you to and fro. Got to hold the sails in place. And we have to hold <laughs> these things fast. We have to hold uh -huh. secure and tight to the to the ship and to the ropes and to the everything that's holding us secure. We need uh -huh. to hold fast to that. And what is holding us secure? Christ. Yeah. 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 Our hope in him, our confidence in him, the belief that no matter what happens, He's going to take care of us. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it through and that we have a better promise down the road that whatever we're going through now is temporary. Yeah. And that we can depend on him to get us through it. Well, to even, to even think about, about considering uh, Moses and just the narrative of him being chosen to uh, confront Pharaoh and he's like, I can't do that. I can't speak well. And God's like, no, I got you. And then he has to go and witness all these crazy things that happened to convince Pharaoh to be like, okay, you can let your people go because I'm tired of all these plagues. And then have to lead 
so many people. Like I, I find it scary to lead 20 people. Hmm. And Moses like, Hey, entire nation of Israel, let's go. And suddenly they're Moses' responsibility. And then what happens? They run into uh, the sea. Yeah. And what are we he's do like, now? now what do I got to do? He's like, well, <laughs> God led me to this point. I'm going to hold fast to him again and splits the sea. And Jeez. then there's like all the stuff that happens uh, with getting the Ten Commandments and like dealing with a really rebellious nation that doesn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like. I mean, they all wanted to go back to their former ways, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. Uh, it's almost comical to like read it like oh, it was better to be slaves in Egypt than to be out here with you. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to go back to believing that in the future promised uh, Messiah instead of that that Jesus was actually there and like was going to come. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they wanted to go back to this former life that was terrible. But, but so Moses they- was testifying to the goodness of no, it's better for you to be taken out of Egypt such that you can be led to the promised land. Um, but that, that's a, that, the, the, the reason I bring that all up is because Moses, by being a faithful servant was holding fast to his confidence in God. Yep. His faith, his righteousness was credited to him and his faith as uh, righteousness. And so that's exactly the same command we have here. So if we're in God's house, we are, if we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope. What's that hope? Jesus Christ. You Amen. on judgment day, look at God and say anything other than Jesus is the only reason I should be allowed to live. Then you're going to have a rude awakening. Amen. What, uh, as we start to wind down from an app application standpoint, but a, from a personal standpoint as well, what is something that you currently in your life are holding fast to or trying to remind yourself that you need to hold fast to, to Christ. Hmm. I, I mean, the, I feel like this, there's like a bunch of little things that add up to major things. So when I think of like spiritual disciplines, like in taking, uh, in taking the Bible regularly, such that my mind is meditating on it regularly, uh, to pray, to basically go to God with my concerns, my supplications, my Thanksgiving, all of those things for the way that, I look to other people, starting with my wife, to to others. How am I pointing them to Christ in the way that I'm acting towards them? Like the, it, it's actually in the minutia of all of that that you kind of get these big things. I don't have like a big crisis of faith going on right now. Yeah, but arguably you could consider it a crisis of faith every time that I have to make the decision to look like Jesus or not which yeah. can happen in the way I answer the phone when someone calls me. Right. You're, I guess you're saying by crisis, you're saying there aren't really waves rocking and trying to knock your boat over. It, it's, it's not that there aren't waves. It's just, I think the Christian learns to just smile and trust despite the waves happening. Like we, we like to think that our goal is to remove suffering yeah. and instead the mature believer. Okay. I'm continuing to mature. I'm not saying this is like at some end point I've arrived at, but it's more like when the waves come, they bother me less. So it's like, if you take a veteran sailor out on the water and they're like, well, there are 10 foot waves out here, but I'm Mm. just going to keep on sailing versus like if I'd be out there in a total mess. Yeah. It's not that the waves are different for either. Just one has been 
out there and has that experience over time. Um, And that's kind of what our spiritual life looks like. Yeah, they've put in the reps, they've put in the work to trust, hey, I have the tools. I know how my boat's going to react. I know these ropes are going to work. I I know where to go and hold on to them and all that stuff. Yeah. That's much more what the Holy Spirit's guiding you to is like, hey, the world's still sinful. There's still suffering out there. You're going to encounter suffering for yourself and your family, uh, your friends, just generally in the world. Things are going to suck. Some things are going to be great. (laughs) And when all that stuff happens, I'm just going to show you how you're going to survive it, how you're going to endure it. And if you don't, you know what? You're going to threaten me with glory. Yeah. To see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No fear in death is literally, I think we've talked about that before. I don't know if I've talked about that on the podcast, but like everyone fearing death. Yeah. You've mentioned. Yeah. That's really what it is. Um, so if, if truly you have a sense of peace of like, yeah, when this life's over, I'm going to be happy to see Jesus. It's like, it's just life is different. Yeah. That's good. I would, I would say for me, it kind of, it ties in with what I mentioned earlier, just about all the areas of my life that I feel like there, there are some waves that I think I'm, I'm spending a lot of energy trying to, um, I get not necessarily fight, but manage. Um, and so one of part of with part of with that is resisting the lies of the enemy that might come up to, to try to, um, like if you think of Genesis three, right? Like the, the serpent comes in lot and tries to, did God really mean what he said? Right, like make you doubt the faithfulness of God mm-hmm. and his provision. And I feel yeah. like that is what is constantly, like we don't, we fight a spiritual, like we're fighting a spiritual battle. Like yeah. uh, as a believer, we, we're constantly berated with these attacks. Mm-hmm. We might just not be aware to them or not even want to try to think of them, but it happens. And so, um, yes, some of some of the things that happen are our own actions, but but it is very real sense that there there are attacks that come. So, I think it's res- me trying to just resist those lies to to try to, to not allow him to get into my head to tell me um, anything other than 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 but God is good and that He's in control and that He's going to take care of me um, and that I can trust Him. So that that split of trust causes me to then turn to sin idols and coping mm-hmm. mechanisms and all these things that have got me in trouble before, and so mm-hmm. that's what I'm fighting. Yeah, and it's taking a lot of energy, and yeah. I'm doing well in them, but it's it's heavy. That's the, that's the nature of the walk with Jesus is it's not the temptation doesn't come. Rather, we our our love of Jesus starts to outshine temptation. So it's kind of like, uh, if you're not in debt anymore, there's certain expenses that come by and you're like, eh, it's not as bad. Yeah. But if you have your entire income maxed out going already pre-signed to a bank because you have a million payments in your life, every little expense that comes up is terrifying. Yeah. It it's becomes not, an emergency. At it that becomes point. an emergency. Everything's an emergency. It's similar in our spiritual life that when you start to see how you, the debt is not something you paid anymore, it slowly turns into like this, these temptations and things that come by you are like, yeah, yeah, we'll deal with them. That sucks. It's inconvenient, but mm. it's not, it's not going to destroy you. Yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's not a perfect analogy because finances are a finite number. And like, you can yeah. talk about what it's like pre post debt and all that stuff, but there's a very real, like, it's not like if my air conditioner went out of my car, I just be like, all right, let's go fix it. Versus like, oh my gosh, my life's over. 
For sure. It could have two, just two different reactions because one person is prepared and someone else is not. For us with preparing our heart, it's like, I got to remember that Jesus is better than giving into whatever temptation it is. Oh, absolutely. And then also when I get it wrong, that Jesus is better than not repenting of that, of not yeah. making up with someone, of not whatever it is. Um, and then as you do that more and more, you see his faithfulness and all these regular things. Yeah. The, the tactic of the enemy, and I think I've heard John Piper say this, the tactic that the enemy has, the only weapon that he truly has is to keep us in our sin. Mm-hmm. And so the way we fight yep. that is by exposing those lies, confessing, confessing the sin, confessing our temptation, having that accountability to that community. That's why that's yeah. so important. Yeah. Um, and that's what we do in, in the recovery ministries. That's, that's why we're doing it in the context of community um, is yeah. trying to heal by it through those things. Yeah. So to, to bring it more specifically to this passage, yep. it's when you consider something that's important, even if that thing's a good thing, like considering Moses's faithfulness is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. One that mm. it's, it's good to consider how God faithfully worked in the people of Israel through the faithfulness of Moses. Just remember that even good things are bad when they are traded for the supremacy of Jesus. So the, the, the Moses is cool, but (laughs) Jesus is like just so much better. And so never forget that. And even when you see the goodness of Moses's faithfulness, Mm. make sure that that is just pointing you to even more glory of Christ. Because that's the whole point. That's why it's a shadow of a thing to come. It's supposed to be like, oh, that was just like the the smell walking into the restaurant. But then Jesus is the main dish. It's like you don't don't just go for the smells. Mm. You go for the main dish. That's right. Feed me, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that. Yeah, that's that's good to wrap up. Just focusing back on consider jesus that part um is such a good part to highlight consider jesus when those waves come because they will consider jesus when things are good you get that promotion you get um that recognition whatever it might be that's where it's Uh, easier to forget yeah oh absolutely yeah consider jesus in all things yeah um that's what that whole thing means give it all of your thought all of your almost in a in this obsessed way where you he is the thing you think about. Something good happens, you think about him. Something bad happens, you think about him. You hmm. go to him. That's right. That is what we can take away from this. Right. Um, so, man, that was that was awesome. Uh, that is all we have today. So, everyone who listens, we we thank you for doing that, and we hope that you're encouraged, and we hope that you're in, equipped in truth um, through what we've been able to talk about today. So, we would love uh, love it if you're able to share this with a friend, so they could also be reminded in God's truth. As always, thanks for listening to the Culture of Truth podcast. Until next time.